0: Welcome back to Extra Shot, our weekly pod spilling the funniest stories in sport. This week we are talking the Saudi exodus, justice for Phil Foden's mum and an Arsenal defender getting up to some heinous acts. I'm Jack, I'm joined as ever by Zach. I'm back. Hello mate, are you comfy sitting there? Yeah, I'm, I'm very comfy. I should clarify, we're in our new podcast studio. And after some deliberations, Zach has <laughs> made me move seats because he's decided his best side is I, the uh, other one. <laughs> I'm just saying, if it if it if it's the same to you, then uh, it is the same to me. I just wasn't aware you're the better side. We're not all blessed with perfectly symmetrical faces, are like you, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there a f- footballer who was rated as having the most symmetrical face in the Premier League? Uh, Issa Dior, I think. Yeah, there was the, a, there was like an um, article saying AI has judged the best looking footballers. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Issa Diop, Issa Diop is the best looking player in the Premier League, apparently. But it wasn't symmetry; it was the golden ratio or something of his. Like, yeah. yeah, oh, was it okay? Because I think Luis Diaz came out about fifth, which I thought was generous. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, you've been having a good transfer window so far. Uh, I have been, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a pretty quiet one. Mm. Um, did you see this video of Fabrizio Romano? Announcing Port Vale signings. <laughs> it's go very on. good. Breaking news: Port Vale have secured the loan signing of highly rated Manchester United youngster Dan Gore. Here we go. Yeah, God, that's really a stooping low for the transfer expert Fabrizio Romano. Yeah. It has been quiet a- apart from Eric Dyer, and <laughs> yeah, so you had Eric Dyer, and then. Obviously, Jordan Henderson swapped the the a mall for Amsterdam's red light district, and there there have been a few rumours that other Saudi League stars on the way out as well. So Roberto Firmino and Karim Benzema also supposedly want out. Benzema turned up seventeen days late for mid season training. Yeah, which I mean, in most jobs that would be a sackable offence, yeah. I think. So apart from the fact that it's thirty degrees Celsius at night and. Uh, playing in front of 696 fans most weeks. Apparently, the players' families are failing to settle there. So, I'm Eric Laporte, the former Man City defender, came out this week and he was saying, he said, there are many players that are discontented. In terms of quality of life, I expected something different because in the end here, you spend three hours a day in the car. Riyadh is a waste of traffic, of time wasted in the car. So he's complaining about um, the he's, traffic. He's complaining about the traffic. But there was also uh, a story in the papers this week that the, the wife of uh, an unnamed uh, English player in Saudi Arabia had, was hissed at in a shopping mall when she she turned up wearing shorts. Um was I mean, quite bold to wear shorts around Yeah, I Saudi. mean, you, you probably... <laughs> should have realised that that's, that's not cool before you go there. Yeah. But anyway, you may be hissed not, at. Yeah, you may be hissed at. she's quite traumatised by this hissing. I think so, yeah. I mean, it's, I think so. He'd moved over there apparently and um, the idea was, you know, he'd settle down, find somewhere to live and then the wife and kids would come over. So this was like their, their big, like, going to show you where we're going to be living. This is going to be our local shopping mall, which is basically the only thing we're going to be able to do at the weekends. And, uh, and she got hissed at. That's Sadly. It. Yeah, so, so, uh, rough start, yeah, but obviously the money is really good, which is why they all keep going there. And the latest player to be linked with a move is Miggy Almiron, the Newcastle midfielder. Um, it's unclear how that move will go down with his wife and kids, although if a new documentary is anything to go by, they might not have that much to say about it. So, a new documentary is coming out next month called Married to the Game that basically follows um, a few different Premier League wags. And in one scene from the the trailer, Riyad Mahrez's wife, Jordan gets a call from Riyad and he basically tells her that they're leaving Manchester to move to Saudi Arabia. So she's obviously a bit taken aback by this. And there's a scene of her like sitting at this table crying and um, she's like, Oh, I'm going to be sat at home on my own. And, um, Reads across the table and he just looks at her and says, "It's part of the game, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> is not that it? That's it. It's just like, part of the game." Also, did he call her just to be like, "Yo, we're moving to Saudi"? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that not the sort of thing he discussed. You would, you'd, you'd think so. I mean, if if I was going to propose that to a loved one, yeah, then, uh, you'd be like bigging probably, up the, you know, like you might be, you know, it's a new culture, yeah, you might get hissed at, and the it's going to be hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah sells some parts yeah, of it. Yeah, it's near Dubai. You love Dubai. <laughs> So what? And then she just had to go. Yeah, she had to go. I think I'd yeah. stay behind. Yeah. Should I find myself married to a elite <laughs> footballer, <laughs> forced to move? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't really think of anywhere I'd like to live less than. Well, as you know, I can think of places yeah. live to live <laughs> <Yeah>. less. <laughs> At um, least it's safe. Yeah. Part of the game is that. Who it else is, is in part of the dog, game? By the way, which other wags have been hopefully uh, not like is. Carl Walkers? wife. Uh, no, no. That, although that would have made good TV. Yeah. So there's James Tarkowski and his nice. his wife or girlfriend, I think Matt Turner, the Nottingham Forest keeper, um who else? maybe Harry Maguire? Okay. Yeah. Um so there, there's a there's a few, a huge few big name. names. We <laughs> Mahrez, obviously. Yeah, he's, he's um, really carrying that this, show yeah. a bit, isn't he? <laughs> it's a bit like have you seen the um this, there's a Netflix doc coming out for the Six Nations, the rugby. And they followed them around last year, but they've timed it to release with this year's tournament. But all the players they followed are not playing in the tournament this year, so it's like um, it's like drive to survive style. And it's they've got Louis Reamit, the Welsh guy who's gone to the NFL. They've got Owen Farrell, who looks like he's never going to play for England again. Ellis Genge, who's injured. I think one of the coaches, the Italy coach, who's been sacked, <laughs> um, and uh, Stuart Hogg, who the Scotland fullback who has retired. He's been a bit of a naughty boy, hasn't he? Yeah. So there are a few allegations. I don't think we can name them all, but the the one thing is that he like, he retired quite soon after he basically got up to no good at some sort of riding festival in the summer. A riding festival? Yeah. I mean, use your imagination, but he was (laughs) battered and did something behind a beer tent, I think. And then on New Year's day, he, the story is that he went to the races with his family and his new girlfriend, who's this jockey. And then they went back to the family house and he got into an argument with his brother, went to swing for him and accidentally smacked his own mum in the face and then just oh my God. fled the house. <laughs> left his new girlfriend with the family. Left his new girlfriend? Yeah, real awkward oh, Christmas day. That is a baptism of fire for <laughs> first family Christmas. Yeah. Don't get that in your Saudi doc, Ria yeah, She's like dabbing her, her bloody nose. <laughs> Mental. Anyway, yeah, so I don't know what that doc will That be is like. a... That was a massive disappointment for the rugby blazers, I guess. Because they probably, they signed up for this documentary thinking, cause, thinking that it's going to give them a big boost, like mm. Drive to Survive. Because that has so actually driven a lot it. of interest in yeah. F1, hasn't it? So they're probably thinking like Six Nations viewing figures are going to go through the roof. Yeah. And then people are going to tune in. It's like, wait, who are these? Yeah. Guys? Were, <laughs> just, were these just actors? Where <laughs> are all the stars yeah. of this show? There are some, I think. But yeah, yeah it's... it's it's not going to play that well. Did you also see that the uh the Italian Super Cup was in Saudi this week? Oh yeah, as four teams, isn't it? Yeah, so they've they've followed the Spanish model for some reason in needlessly bloating this um tournament out into like a, a four team knockout competition. Um so this year it was Serie A winners Napoli and the runners-up Lazio and then Coppa Italia champions into Milan and Fiorentina, who lost in the final. But apparently, according to Italian press, when the Italian journalists landed in Saudi, their Saudi Arabian counterparts were just surrounded. them and were like, "Why did why why did you send Lazio and Fiorentina? Why not why not Juve and Milan? Yeah. They say, and, where is Messi? Where, where is Messi? <laughs> where is Ronaldo? Where is Messi?" And they're just like, you know, this is, it is an actual competition and not just your. Marketing sports washing ploy to just um, pick the best teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why sure. were Juve and Milan were just shit last season, so they didn't qualify? Yeah, Juve, like I think they finished like yeah. fifth or something. I, I yeah, you, it slightly makes me wonder: is the Saudi league rigged? We'll see. Yeah, will Ronaldo win it? Yeah, maybe. I was just yeah. I think they they just haven't really grasped the concept of um, merit. <laughs> yeah, merit. <laughs> yeah, generally, yeah, um, and just like competitive sport, but it's not actually there biggest cock up when it comes to luring foreign talent. So this year Riyadh is hosting a couple of WWE wrestling shows. And according to insiders, the organizers keep on trying to book Eddie Guerrero, Big Boss Man and (laughs) Yokozuna uh, as the three wrestlers who have all been dead for (laughs) around 20 years. Um, so I don't think, I hate to break to them, but I think they're not going to make it. Yeah. Although respect to the, whichever Saudi like wrestling head used to obviously follow it in the 90s and has now grown up. And yeah, I suppose so, so. Or they've just, yeah, they've just Googled biggest wrestling stars. And, As you reckon, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of blood sports, Phil Foden's mum, Claire, is an upshot favourite. Uh, a couple of years ago, She got in a fight at a friend's birthday party. They got really out of hand. So a source told the papers at the time, the row spilled out onto the street in front of horrified neighbours and a bottle of vodka was hurled and smashed one woman was left covered in blood and needed a tetanus jab after sustaining bite marks to her stomach and face. Tetanus jab? Isn't isn't that what you get from like rusty nails? Yeah, or like, I guess, rabid rabid dogs. dogs. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, better safe than sorry. So I don't don't know who did the biting, but Claire was involved in some big old scrap. uh, And that really put her on our radar. Uh, And then about a year later, she got involved in another scrap backstage at an Amir Khan fight. So these blokes were heckling Phil Foden backstage because I think City had lost that day and then they started on him and Claire and she just like squared up to him because to this bloke she's hard as fucking nails and uh, the bloke punched her this fucking scumbag uh, but Claire cemented herself as an upshot favorite because she just came out swinging for them and she ends up bringing the noise with a fire extinguisher to Richard really Video. Does she, this is, she's like swinging the fire extinguisher. Yeah, yeah, I that's... think it gets sprayed as well at okay, some point. Nice. She's, she's yeah, fucking classic. tough. Yeah. Love Claire. Um, and this week she was in court. So apparently she went on a tequila and vodka fueled girls night out. In North Wales, uh, they were at Sunny Sports Bar in Towin in North Wales. Oh, Sunny's! Yeah, yeah uh, Sunnies, you, you're yeah. regular. Yeah. <laughs> it's where I have my tequila and vodka fueled girls nights out, yeah, yeah, and the rest. Apparently, they do do a mean fry up as well. I was looking at the menu earlier. Anyway, shout out to any listeners who are familiar with Sunny's um, live show coming in 2025. Anyway, so she's on this Girls' Night out, and it's a it's a sort of sports bar. It's got a nightclub upstairs and they, they got completely smashed. And later on, apparently they got chatting to these lads. They're having a lot of fun with them. And Claire flicked a bloke's hat off. Uh, a bloke called Paul Shortman. <laughs> Shortman syndrome. Um, I actually don't think Paul's done anything wrong, but she flicked his cap off, which is a pretty tame joke, you know, just, just a little flick. But she got kicked out of the club for this by the bouncers. It that seems, that seems harsh in itself. Yeah. And also uh, Claire, Claire says it's her party trick to flip people's caps <laughs> off, which I mean, do get that party trick. Yeah. But anyway, they kicked her out, it was a bit harsh, but uh she, then she was seen by police stumbling around. They said her eyes were glazed and apparently the police came up to her. An officer called PC Stephen Gunning went up to her and uh, she told them to fuck off. Uh, Claire said in her own words, I kicked off with the police officers. I was a bit of a bitch. So she acknowledges she was, you know, yeah. a bit out of it. But anyway, again, like typical overreaction. They, they arrested her and uh, took her to the station um, and they charged her with drunken disorderly. And they inter- in her interview, apparently she said, I don't drink often, but when I do, I make up for time. I'm like an animal. Mm. Which again just makes me love her even more. Animal out of control, flicking hats off yeah, heads. And, you nutter! Yeah, yeah. Although bite marks on the on the stomach and face was just the cap a bit more interesting, a <laughs> bit more colourful. Anyway, all this is just sort of building towards her her rep for me. But the the North Wales police were a bit more joyless about it, and they charged her a drunken disorderly, and they charged her with assault for flicking the guy's cap off. It was that was what she got charged with. Surely yeah, so drunken disorderly for telling the police to fuck off, which oh, may be valid. Um, but flicking a guy's cap off, she got an assault charge. Assault by beating. i it I always complaining about the courts having a, a lack of time to deal with, like, serious cases? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why don't you catch <laughs> proper crooks, North Wales police? A <laughs> yeah. yeah. hero is like Claire Foden. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to have to get some um, free Claire Foden t-shirts yeah. knocked up, I think. We've yeah. already got the mother leader legend ones. In the works, uh, but I think, I think we need we need a bit of a campaign here. I mean, fortunately, British justice prevailed, and Claire was found not guilty of assault, but she good. was found guilty of drunken disorderly, Yeah. possibly fairly. So, anyway, good to have a bit of faith restored in the courts after a postmaster yeah. scandal. Was it? Yeah, true. But was it? So who was the one who brought charges? Was it um what was his name? Paul Shortman Shortman Syndrome. No, in fairness to Paul Shortman, who I'm just slagging off here, he didn't show up in court. So I think he probably was just like not that fast by having his fucking hat flicked off. This is my um sense of what happened, because he didn't show up, but the police were really pushing for it. I just anyway, there's CCTV, fortunately, which exonerated our hero. Yeah, I think I think that is that's one of the most ridiculous cool cases I've, I've ever heard of. Yeah, why? Well, I mean, why are they wasting time on that? Are they, do you think it's um they want to they want to set an example? For, uh, you, know, you got a big you got a big name like Clary, yeah, yeah, um, big fish. Yeah, what do you think it's like to set an example for other parents, other other, other potential hat flickers in the, in <laughs> yeah. the, in the North Wales area? These things can turn <laughs> into <laughs> can escalate. Yeah, can get nasty. <laughs> I also, what I love about Claire Foden, and let me count the ways I love her, but another one is that, you know, while all the other footballers' parents are off in Dubai, like popping champagne, she went for a girls' weekend at a caravan park in North Wales and then to Sunny Sports Bar cap flicking yeah Woman of the people yeah maybe it should be a cap saying free Claire Foden and to show your support you flick it off that's great yeah yeah, yeah I'll be flicking my brand and one. we can all go and do it outside Downing Street yeah. <laughs> outside the old Bailey where this case will eventually go because this is going to the very <laughs> top <laughs> the highest courts in the land <laughs> the European Court of Justice will, yeah. will clear her name yeah see you in Strasbourg <laughs> PC Stephen Gunning <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, if North Wales police wants to deal with some proper crimes, may I suggest that they go and have a look at across the border at Nottingham Forest Defender Nuno Tavares, who has been posting some videos of himself d- getting down some disgusting acts with his dogs he's He's basically licking their tongues at like a you know teenager like it's French really horrible kisses. yeah they're, they're really. He's really getting his tongue involved. Yeah. I mean, there's what, so it's like a pair of horny teenagers. It's not just like, oh, he's kissing his dog a bit. They're like properly tonguing each other's throats. Yeah. I mean, you, you're making it sound like the dog is, is <laughs> really enjoying this. In a, yeah. Sick dog. Sexual <laughs> way. He looks like he's enjoying it. There are two dogs. It's like a three way kiss at one yeah, point. Yeah. For me, that is, that is pretty sickening. And also if that's the stuff he's posting, what's he getting up to behind <laughs> closed doors? No no. There's no evidence of bestiality, but yeah. it's definitely a bit of foreplay. Yeah. i also <laughs> like does he realise how weird it is? Um I think if he reads the comments on Twitter then then he'll uh mm-hmm. then he'll be made aware of quite quickly. Yeah, if you haven't seen the clip, it, i will will maybe chuck a link in the show description. It's it's literally him just like slobbering all over them, winking at the camera, absolutely loving it. Uh it's it's sordid stuff. I tell yeah. you who I feel sorry for as well. Is Win the because uh, Nuno Tavares is on loan from Arsenal, <laughs> and you might remember Mikel Arteta bought the Arsenal team a dog called Win, yeah. uh, who lives in the training ground, a lovely golden Labrador. And I'm just picturing, do you, do you think this is why Arteta said Tavares out on well, loan? Like, you're, you're not getting anywhere near our yeah, yeah. morale-boosting dog because well, he's yeah. he's going to be traumatised. Yeah, I, I feel for Win when Nuno rocks back up in the summer, and he's sort of. Walks in. Carries- I'm, I'm picturing Nuno like with spreading jam on his lips, <laughs> like, "Come here, Win. We got a lot of catching up to do." Mikel, I'll take Win for the weekend. <laughs> how about a walk? <laughs> it is with. it is that is that how the Arsenal dog works? Is it like um, school? school when you have like, I remember I had to take home the, the stick insects yeah. one one Easter holidays. Yeah, is it like that with Win? Yeah, I well, presumably it doesn't just live at, london (laughs) Colney training base does it i don't know feeding off scraps in the canteen someone must take it home yeah hopefully it's not up in forest with nuno it's not one of those those poor dogs yeah let's let's hope not dog people are weird aren't they I, i while thinking about this story i thought of other sports people who have weird relationships with their dog and i thought of lewis hamilton who he has that dog roscoe it's like a sort of bulldog um, and, and Roscoe's function in Lewis's life is basically to enable Lewis to show off to the girls in the year above. So he like dresses <laughs> him up in stupid outfits. He forces him to be vegan. He's got an Instagram account where he writes captions in a dog voice. So I've got one here for you. This is Lewis Lewis writing it, obviously. I love being the vegans. I get all the vegetables and fruits I want. My faves are watermelons and pineapples. I've lost five kilos and feels better than ever. I mean, that makes me want to vomit, for yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, why has he decided that dogs add S's to the end of most words? Because like, it's like that dog, like, I love so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've got West Country for some reason. <laughs> yeah. all right, but people kind of do that dog voice, don't they? Yeah, I either think, that or uh, they've got Nuno Tavares slobbering all over their face, which is affecting their speed. Yeah, but why? I say to get this making your dog be vegan. Like dogs have dogs have never been vegan. Yeah, like, it's not a. I, I didn't. Lewis Lewis did some post. He he said something about like campaigning for the environment, and then he did a post about his dog being vegan poor fucking dog sitting in front of a plate of like jackfruit and (laughs) tempeh while sitting on his private jet flying to to Bahrain he's on a private jet (laughs) you can see in the picture no I'm seriously in the picture (laughs) everyone was like "Uh, overall I think that's a net loss for the (laughs) planet (laughs) (laughs) and possibly humanity and Uh, definitely did the dog yeah so a lot of dog coverage on this pod in the last couple of weeks because we did Wellard's chocolate poisoning last week yeah it's been a lot of unfortunate dogs actually we just get some positive Positive dog content. Okay. Yeah, please don't send us pictures oh, really? of your dogs. This yeah. <laughs> Isn't that kind of pod? <laughs> this is more about borderline bestiality. <laughs> Chocolate poisoning. Yeah. You know, the weird stuff. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. So we've done we've done Claire Foden, and here is another upshot favourite. So everybody likes to take the piss out of Brooklyn Beckham for his uh, attempts at cooking. You, you might have seen the video of him making a bacon and egg sandwich on American TV, uh, or the one where he blow torches a cheese toasty. But the Beckham name does wonderful things for people. And this week, Brooklyn announced a pop up London takeaway restaurant with with Uber Eats, and they've released an advert. And after watching this, I was I was sort of like maybe I've not given. Brooklyn enough credit cuz the opening montage of this advert shows an array of like beautifully presented dishes there's prawn and pork dumplings chicken tikka masala there's a a 12-hour slow-cooked wagyu bolognese all of which have apparently been crafted by by Brooklyn's own hands this is all looks very impressive until you realise that the only actual cooking that you see Brooklyn doing in the video is chopping some celery and throwing some bacon in his in a frying pan uh, so we, we can watch a little bit of the clip now I've teamed up exclusively with Uber Eats so you can order my ultimate takeaway menu I've been lucky enough to you know live in some pretty cool places I've always been into trying different cuisines I got my wife on uh, Indian and Chinese takeaway she's obsessed with it now I'm making my favorite sandwich, my English breakfast sandwich, which is a dish that my nanny Peggy taught me. You know, that was definitely one of my first moments where I found that I love cooking. My dad and me, we always we always cook the sandwich. We just have the most fun together. So it's it's a bacon sausage and egg sandwich. Is, yeah, is his grandmother's recipe for that? Yeah, he's talking it's about like, it like he learned it at the fucking cordon bleu. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally probably the one thing every single person yeah, in the country could make. It's just like hungover student photo, <laughs> really. Isn't it? I also love the bit where he says, "Yeah, I got my wife into Indian and Chinese takeaway. Yeah. Like just introduced her to this like really lesser-known <laughs> <laughs> secret." yeah also it's not really a demonstration of your culinary skill ordering <laughs> got, you, a real, got, got a curry off there. Okay, use my nanny's recipe for dialing the number yeah. she does it in a special way <laughs> there's another video where he's making the bacon sandwich and he goes yeah i like to squirt a bit of ketchup on it like again like it's yeah, this little that's, like flourish that's his, that's that's his, up his twist with. yeah <laughs> so actually the only thing we see him making is a bacon sandwich and fiddling with some pasta at one point yeah, right. yeah, and chopping some celery. So are you suggesting it. it's possible that Brooklyn is not cooking the food himself? I, well, comparing the other cooking videos that I've seen him do on Instagram and stuff, compared to the the beautifully presented dishes in that video, I would have some doubts. But who knows? I, I don't know. And it, he's, we'll have to, this pop-up thing. We're, we're going to try and eat yeah, the food, aren't so, we, for uh, next week's pod? Yeah, so this pop-up, unfortunately, is only open for a grand total of 10 hours <laughs> over over two nights uh I I'm I'm not sure exactly who's gonna be ordering uh, well, an English breakfast sandwich between five and ten PM, except for us. Yeah, we will be doing this for, for the benefit of the listeners yeah, for journalism. Um, tomorrow night. We'll, but Brooklyn's we'll not to... even there, is he? Is he even no, in no, the No, no, no. No. So yeah, so he he was asked about this and he, he was he said, No, no, I'm not in London on those days. <laughs> right. <So> he's, he's <laughs> definitely not kicking. No, he's definitely not kicking. We won't even get to see him loitering outside some horrible dark kitchen in a disused railway arch or like speedy across the junction on his e-bike <laughs> <laughs> to, to turn up at your doorstep with it unfortunately yeah, that would, be that, would that i would pay through the nose for i think but i, I would um, say his cooking is his is his best career yet yeah, right? yeah so, just, he can make a good looking sandwich i think yeah do you remember this uh this photography book mm. that he released i think it was like 2017 it was actually you know it was actually published by penguin yeah. which I'm quite quite amazed at. wonder how he got the meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah very weird that. Um, one of my favourites was um, this photograph of an elephant that is completely in shadow and it's captioned, Elephants in Kenya, so hard to photograph, but incredible to see. <laughs> which, like, reading that, my first thought was, are elephants really that hard to photograph? Because, yeah. like, A, they're fucking massive. Like, if if the elephant's about, you can't miss them they're also extremely slow moving. So you don't have that experience. I mean, there's a whole and- industry around being able to take a picture with one. Exactly. There? Like they're, 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 they're very comfortable with humans. So like, I've a- never been, I've never been on a safari, but I think they let you get pretty close to them. So none of those things are that hard. To, it's not like, it's not like he's um on, you know, you see these, um, Planet Earth documentaries where this whole team will go off for mm. three months to like the jungle in Borneo for like a rare to, lizard. Yeah, yeah, to like try and capture the obscure mating ritual of this like endangered tree frog. Like that is hard to photograph. I would, I would yeah, give, give them Zoo. that. This is in London Zoo <laughs> trying to take a picture of it a uh, a very slow-moving elephant. I'm just looking at the the picture. It is the worst picture of an elephant I've ever seen. It's totally It's it's, it's not even... I mean, a nice silhouette of an elephant would be nice, but this is just... The elephant is just in the shade (laughs) behind a really light background. So you can't really make it out at all. Is he going to call his English breakfast sandwich so difficult to cook but incredible to eat? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll we'll let you know that this time next week you can... uh, Tune in to find out how the bacon sandwich was. The other one I liked was this photo of a dinner party. So you can see like a long table of people. It's in black and white and it's just extremely blurry. And the caption is, I like this picture. It's out of focus, but you can tell there's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you, you kind of can. Like you could probably tell a little bit better it wasn't completely blurred. But it's, it's also like, you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes these blurry photographs, I think, it's it's through like the photographer's used like an extended exposure or something so that it's it's uh, so that it looks like that but i think this is it's just i think he's moved the camera while he's taking the photo he's, he's bought an expensive camera and doesn't know how to use it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can tell there's a lot going on as if we're meant to like take his word for it <laughs> yeah. trust me it's a good picture <laughs> all right at the other end of the talent spectrum i want to talk about the great pele for a second uh, the Brazilian striker died last year and he left behind so many love children that he he actually forgot how many children he had. He, he never would confirm the number, a bit like Boris Johnson. Have that? <laughs> I think Boris Johnson refuses to confirm his total yeah. progeny. Uh, officially, Pele had seven children. That's what was recognised. But apparently in his will, he recognised the possibility that he could have had other children, which is a nice vague catch-all for a man who spread his seed widely. And now a woman has come forward claiming she is child number eight. Pele's been dead for 13 months, so timing's a little bit convenient. Um, and, and this lady, she took a DNA test with two of Pele's confirmed kids because they they agreed um, that, that they'd be willing to take the test. Anyway, that came back negative, um, which would suggest that she's not yeah. Pele's daughter. But she's pressing on with her claim. Um, and now she's going for the final Hail Mary, she's demanding that the great Brazilian striker's body is exhumed for a DNA test. Ex- oh, that is not going to go down well in Brazil. Yeah, digging him up. Surely, I mean, surely if she's already done the DNA test with the two kids, you'd think it would come back at least like 25%. You've got you've got a bit of Pele in there. Yeah, I mean, but I'm then, no expert on DNA, but I don't rate her chances yes. <laughs> at this point. And it's not going to look great if she does dig him up and it's wrong, Yeah, to be honest. But at stake is 4 million quid, roughly. That's what she would benefit from. So, yeah, that's kind of worth it. On a risk reward scale, I think that's quite tempting. Yeah. Reminds me kind of of uh, this guy uh, during the big like Bitcoin boom. (laughs) This is maybe off topic. But the guy who, did you hear about this guy who uh, his hard drive was buried in landfill in, I can't remember, where Somewhere in Wales, I think. And he was trying to convince the council to dig through like 20 years worth of landfill to try and find this hard drive that supposedly had on it, like, I can't remember what it was. It was like 50 million yeah. quids worth of Bitcoin. I heard, um, I last I heard is that he'd raised private investment capital yeah. to basically buy the landfill. <laughs> and dig through it. Because it's yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, and basically the investors will get like 80% of the money, but still worth it. Yeah. And there's there's the other guy who basically has he's forgotten the password and he he you get ten attempts or something and he's down to his last two. Do you think uh, the children of people who are affiliated with Pele in the seventies did a similar thing and clubbed together and like got his body exhumed just for the for the DNA test and then they could all do it and maybe they'd cash in four million. Oh, what well, they could it do, it be, sort like they could do a sort of class action. Yeah. For anyone who, who's <laughs> <in> near <anyone>. him. <laughs> yeah. Tempting. Yeah so I mean, if, if there are more children children out there, then they could be yeah. four million quid we we talked about um on the Maradona pod about his illegitimate son, or one of i don 't know if there are multiple, but he had one in Naples that he fathered while he was playing for Napoli, who was named Diego jr, and he like he didn't he did meet him before he died he didn't recognize him for years, and then I think in two thousand and seven they did a DNA test and he like formally recognized him, and then two years later his the the son led Napoli to the beach football <laughs> scudetto, their first ever beach football title, which is a bit like what Maradona did for Napoli. A shit version of it. <laughs> sort of the bastard son version yeah. of it. I like that he did it after as well. Do you think it do you think that inspired him now that he knew that there there truly was El Diego's uh DNA? Yeah, he, flowing through his veins yeah he knew but, he had the talent in his blood yeah but before that he had doubt that it was just like the, the milkman yeah, he was playing playing lower league sand football yeah he got, he got a management career out of his status he married in Serie B I think really? or Serie C it didn't work out predictably <laughs> much like Diego's management career yeah. <laughs> similar path there yeah. on it's hard to imagine you know obviously Messi and Ronaldo are the Pele and Maradona of today it's hard to imagine either of them getting involved in one of these sort of like Love child thing. I don't know. Random DNA test type stuff. I don't know. Do you I think feel like that entourage control things a bit more tightly. And yeah, also Messi doesn't get up to that sort of caper, no, does he? Messi Ronaldo, I could, I could imagine it coming out at some point. Mm. There, there is... is complete, complete speculation. but Yeah, there, there is the Messi story that it's not a leg- it just a love child, but basically there was a girl in, who grew up in his neighbourhood in Rosario who he knew a bit. And they like posed for a photo together and because the tabloids are just so rabid and full of shit. The tabloid said that they'd had a relationship, which was a bit inconvenient because he was 18 at the time and she was 14. Anyway, they didn't have a relationship. It was bollocks. But, um, this woman whose name is Macarena Lemos, good name, Macarena, <laughs> Macarena. never come across someone with that name. Um, anyway, apparently she, she obviously became a bit of like a tabloid fixation for a while off the back of this. And she said she was in, um, she was in a hardware shop in Rosario one day. And, um, she just turned around and Messi's mum was behind her, like yelling at her. Cause her mum thought that she thought this, <clears throat> this girl had made up that she was shagging Messi. And apparently she said the mum chased her around the hardware shop with a frying pan. <laughs> Which is so good. Tom that's so good. Jerry. Yeah, real yeah, Tom yeah. and Jerry moment. I think she said she had a frying pan in one hand and a telephone in the other because maybe she was filming it. Or I don't know, but yeah, it is quite what kind of Tom yeah, and Jerry? Okay, you Not want a, a rolling pin really? Would yeah, be the... a rolling pin, and I'm um, picturing maybe like one of the old old-fashioned phones, like throwing throwing <laughs> yeah. that. How that could be quite good as well. Also, a 14-year-old girl like leave the. Leave well, the girl I think this alone. was years later. Anyway, yeah. yeah, that's as close as Messi gets to scandal. Mm, yeah. And good on him. So Brighton's goalless draw with Wolves on Monday night was a pretty forgettable affair for most of the fans at the Amex, but not for one Brighton press officer. So I imagine that she was pretty miserable to be dragged into work on a rainy Monday night in the middle of January. You know, She should be at home with her feet up watching Love Island and instead she's delivering cups of Bovril to grumpy Daily Mail journalists. Um but on the plus side for her her boyfriend was also on shift and he had a surprise up his sleeve. So before the game you can see this is like CCTV from the from the um tunnel where this woman is like cowering from the for cowering from the wind on this windy night at the Amex and her boyfriend decides it's the opportune moment to get down on one knee and propose to her. Yeah, I mean it's not not the most romantic location. It's no. sort of just like a Carpeted, windowless section. Yeah, you could just you could see her standing there, and just kind of looking around. There's like a few colleagues there who also <laughs> don't seem to really know what's going on. And um I mean, I'm I'm extremely anti the old proposals on the pitch. I think you're really putting the person needlessly in the spotlight. But there I mean, there is a bit of glamour to that. Yeah, I mean. there's some romance and glamour if you're into that sort of thing. Whereas this is like getting proposed to in the photocopy room at work. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. Also, wasn't that Monday, wasn't it? You know, they said the most depressing day of the year. I think that was the, I think that Monday. Was the Monday before. Okay, it's in we, that we, ballpark. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have sunk that low. Okay, Waited wait for payday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least. Maybe yeah. getting proposed to in the office is nice. I don't know. Um, I don't date my colleagues. <laughs> As you are my only colleague, yeah. that's probably, probably good news for you. Yeah, that's, that's very good news. And for your wife. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> um, but anyway, if, uh, if she... Did say yes, which it it looks like she did from the tape. We've got the perfect wedding venue for her. So this week, Amir Khan, the boxer, unveiled his new Bolton wedding venue, the the Balmania, uh, which cost a, uh, eleven and a half million pounds, and it's described as a world of natural beauty and elegance, seamlessly blending nature's charm with contemporary design. So the the promo pics for this venue show this like quite modern glass fronted building that's surrounded by palm trees. And there's like a, there's a minaret behind it, It kind of evokes these gilded courtyards of, of ancient Arabia. Unfortunately, the reality is slightly different. So this venue is located on a industrial estate just off the M61. It basically looks like a council run leisure center, like Looking at, I, can, I can almost smell the chlorine just looking at this photo. It's also opposite a tyre shop and car wash, hand car wash. I don't know, maybe you could, you could double up in with the uh, the wedding gift bag so you get, you know, one of those Christmas tree air fresheners and 20% <laughs> off your next MOT. <laughs> Bit of anti-freeze. <laughs> bottle of antifreeze. Yeah, it looks like a pretty miserable road. It does. Nothing like the artist's sketch. No, not at all. I mean, it's probably maybe the type of venue that somebody who proposes to their wife in their workplace <laughs> would work. Would so, um, yeah. So, I Amir, mean, we might have your first customers. See you down the Balmania. I yeah. think 11 and a half million is going to be quite hard to recoup, isn't it? That seems like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's only it, for it what he got. Yeah. For, <laughs> for, a, for a swimming pool and just off the M61, it is quite a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, all the same, we wish the happy couple very well wherever they choose to get married yeah, would... maybe we can get Brooklyn Beckham on the catering <laughs> English, English breakfast sandwiches all around. Yeah, Claire Foden can come and do her party trick yeah. <laughs> come and do some hat flipping. <laughs> alright well justice for Claire we'll, we'll keep you posted on on our campaign campaign for justice, free yeah. Claire Yeah, and next week we will be eating Brooklyn Beckham's sandwich an Upshot world exclusive so tune in for that thanks a lot Zach thank you, thanks for listening